you're listening to Contesting Wrestling Premium. Oh, yeah, premium. And that, Damn, that's good. I can tell you've been working on that impression for 30 years. <laughs> Indeed. We are joined, premium listeners, you've got a real treat in that we are joined for both the 10th time and also the first time by somebody. The former, can I? Newly christened. By her, <laughs> the, the newly christened by my birth name. <laughs> by your birth, I didn't know if you wanted me to say that. I so. am, I am referee Katie Vella. It is weird that you're not allowed to use a name that is the name of a figure from American folklore. Oh no, you're allowed. No, to I'm, use a, I'm that. allowed to. It's just, you're it was, uh, it was uh, the horse was dead. Mm. Mm. The horse was dead. Yeah, you're no longer crossing the Betsy Ross Bridge regularly. So No, I'm no longer crossing. I don't even live in work. Philadelphia anymore. Like, how was I going to ever make t-shirts when if I made a t-shirt based off Betsy Ross, I could at any point be sued by the actual estate of Betsy Ross? Oh. You could name. <laughs> you could you put the Confederate flag on it and everything. Oh, God, oh, Ben, no, shut no. up. <laughs> you could name. You could now that you're in New York, you could name yourself like, I don't know, like after like Peter Stuyvesant's wife. Not but he was a bad he was a bad person though. Yeah. I meant should. the colonial the flag. The point is- <laughs> <laughs> Not the Confederate flag. Oh, this is off to a good start. The, the point is we're all going by our birth names now. We are. Evan is, Ben is, I am, and then we've got Dr. Rod Zombo Diamondfire. Um Yeah, my name is uh is gonna be whatever I feel like for Rod the rest Zarathustra Diamondfire. <laughs> You will Rod o- Zapata Diamond Fire. <laughs> you will only ever learn any other name that Doc may or may not go by uh, when the lawsuits begin after our episodes that we won't tell you about because they're so scandalous, but they are going to be released, when the lo- and then we will be sued over them. When the lawsuits on behalf of the Betsy Ross estate begin. <laughs> there you go. Today, this is the, going to be the premium compliment to our great episode last week with podcaster and photographer extraordinaire Matt Josephson, where we start to delve into the world of Mr. Machismo Manfred Randall Savajowski. <laughs> Savajowski. Yeah, spe- he is Jewish. Speaking of real really? names. Yeah. Oh, man, uh, well, his, his mom was Jewish, so he's like officially so that Jewish. Is, yeah, yeah. He wasn't raised Jewish. Angelo Pafo was not yeah, keeping his a Jewish father. household. Uh, Matt was going to join us for this episode, except I got really mad, so I taped him up and threw him in the closet of a cruise ship. Oh, no. I felt I felt bad walk, like afterwards, but watching it happen, it was pretty funny. It, it would have yeah. been really cool for him because it was the Jericho cruise ship, but that already <laughs> happened a couple weeks ago, so <laughs> he's just there in the dock. They, they shanghaied it. He's, he's gonna. He, they're gonna. They're gonna put him to work on the deck. Well, look, I was trying to rob the place, and he was in the way. Like, like MVP. That's that's the joke. That's the joke, right? No. So I'm gonna say. I don't get it. Uh, but you know, MVP. Uh, you know, MVP went to jail. Oh, that's right. That's why he went to jail. He okay, went to jail for robbing right. a he, robbing he, a cruise s- ship. Specifically, what he got him put away so long, and this is his own words, I believe, is that uh, he put a he threw a girl in like a closet, yeah. and that uh, got him a kidnapping charge. Yeah, this is when he was a teenager. He did about a, about eight or nine years in jail. He said uh, the best advice given to him is jail is you know uh, work. Uh, what was exactly? 
At least it wasn't a refrigerator. Make the time work for you. Don't work for the time. And he came out, you know, in his late 20s, like, okay, I'm going to start my life now. And he, you know, made a success of himself. Punky Brewster agrees with you, Ben. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, hey, if you're going to, if you're in jail and you have all that time to get in crazy good shape, yep. be a wrestler afterwards, you know? Oh, you've already probably eliminated a lot of your, like, bodily fear. Yeah. You are probably um, already killed a few people. And then, yeah, exactly. Or it certainly intimidated people. Yes, certainly intimidated people. Um, Speaking uh, of intimidating people, Randy Savage. Yeah. Randy Savage, uh, Randy Poffo, um, a son of Angelo Poffo, brother of Leaping Lanny Poffo, who was a great wrestler in his own right. And poet. And poet, yes. Um, so he was a baseball player. At first, he played for the Cincinnati Reds and the St. Louis Cardinals. Interesting. Uh, he was not called Randy Savage at that point. You know, you don't think of maybe this is just me being a lifelong not sports person. You don't think of baseball players as athletes, really. It doesn't look because <laughs> it doesn't look like they're doing anything, right? Oh, they're just man. like you know, one guy throws the ball, the other guy hits the ball, then there's some running. That's, but I guess uh, you do have to do a lot. That's at Evan Burke etc. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who ever uh, tore a rotator cuff throwing a ball or yeah. <laughs> built explosive power well, for sprinting speed. <laughs> I, I I'm now learning that that is not the case. You know how you I like guess, uh, yeah. like seriously though. You know how you like working out with kettlebells. Sure. You know how, like, it's because the weight is on the end of it? Yes. Well, now take something that weighs about that much but it's much longer and try and hit an object coming at you at 90 miles an hour. Oh, so basically uh, whip out your dick and try to hit an object <laughs> coming at you. I First, you're assuming that I don't do that in my in my spare time. Um, and second, yeah, I, I get it's... <laughs> all, all, all joking aside where I'm busting up on baseball players, It is th this has been another thing, like, as I have... This podcast has kind of run concurrent with my, like, growing awareness of both my own physicality and, like, the concept of sports in general. Something They do <laughs> go just... hand in hand. I find <laughs> it. It sounds silly, but, no, like, but I find is... in a lot of, like, in a lot of, like, nerd circles where nobody does any sports because they're the enemy for some reason. It's not just, oh, we don't do that. It's, like, there's no reason anybody should do that. And then, like, somebody starts working out and all of a sudden they understand and why also, this is impressive. Also, that there's a lot of thinking that goes into it. Yes. And, like, knowledge that you have to have in order to do it correctly. For certain. They start doing a couple of like anal hook dumbbells and realize the anus muscles exist. It, well, those those muscles I I have been aware of for a long time. It was all of the other ones like the hips and shit <laughs> that like I just had no conception of. I mean that is a for thing for most of my youth. Um, so Randy Savage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I want to talk a little bit about his very early career. Yes, because it's it's uh, notable. He was originally called the Spider, and he had kind of a Spider Man gimmick. <laughs> Which is funny because he plays the wrestler that Peter Parker wrestles at the beginning of the first Spider-Man movie. Really? From the early 2000s. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which which is canon Spider Man canon you know he try the story of Spider Man at first he tries to make money using his powers by right. being a wrestler and then after his uncle Ben dies he becomes a superhero but yeah so that was a that was a cool little thing. Um, he became Randy Savage. Uh, he was wrestling in, like, Georgia and the Mid-Atlantic region. His father, Angelo Poffo, decided that uh, Randy and his brother, Lanny, weren't getting booked enough or pushed enough. So he created his own outlaw promotion, ICW, 
which at the time was a big deal. Like the NWA still had control over everything. Explain what an outlaw promotion is for anybody who is unfamiliar with the term. It was a promotion that one did not recognize the NWA world champion and two was running in the same towns that NWA affiliated promotions were running. Uh, ICW, by the way, stands for Insane Clown Wrestling. <laughs> I would hope so. I think it was International Championship Wrestling. International, N- N- International clown Championship wrestling. wrestling, running the greater Memphis area and right. nowhere else. No, 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 no. Insane Clown Wrestling. Yeah. Look it up. It's what ICP based their name <laughs> off of. Eventually, the Pafos all. <laughs> yes, exactly. From coast Eventually... to coast of both sides of the Mississippi River. <laughs> right. Eventually, the Pafos, the ICW closed down, and they all moved to the Memphis Territory. Um, uh, what the hell is it called? Uh, CWA. Memphis. CWA Memphis, <laughs> run by Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett. Right, Clown wig wrestling. And um, have you ever heard of this Clown like, wig alliance. alternative Sorry. folk band called the Mountain Goats? Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. So they have an album that's all about wrestling. Really? territory wrestling. No, the guy's a huge wrestling fan. Huh. There's a song, like one of the catchier songs on the album is about Chavo Guerrero oh, yeah. Sr. Um, and I read an interview with that guy and... Uh, the guy from the mountain goats. And he said that he was a big fan of this era of, you know, Memphis and Georgia wrestling. I'm not sure exactly which promotion he was watching, but when Savage was signed to the WWF to him, it was very much like a punk band selling out and getting a major label deal where he wanted to keep watching him to see what he did. But it was like, Oh man, the cool indie thing has been abandoned. I want us to be conscious when we post this episode, put a link to that promo that we watched um, of Savage in 1983, was it? 1980. 1980, wow. The the promo is called Randy Savage Freaks Out, if you're looking for it. And if you look for Randy Savage ICW, it should uh, pop up. It is from ICW. I don't know if he had a cold. Well, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions about that. So was that that was his like first appearance? That was his. No, that was he was the champion. Or, oh, he was the champion. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he started wrestling in the 70s. This is like All right. Uh, he was he played baseball for a few years in the early 70s and then went into wrestling cuz his father was a wrestler and he wanted to do it, you know. My favorite part of the promo is like I stare at a candle for 2 hours in order to figure out how to <laughs> I, I, That's one of the only lines of his I could even make out. Uh he he looked a lot like Doc actually in this. Yeah, he kind of did. He's he's got kind of the same aesthetic that uh, that I like to to put forward. Uh but Laura also as I was watching these uh, matches at 6.45 in the morning while my wife was getting ready to go to her real job. Uh, <laughs> she was like, she was like, is that, are you watching Doc right now? Oh, wait, no, that's from like the 80s. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> I think he might have been chewing tobacco. Well, that- there's something, okay, uh, There, there is... I think he was crying. Yeah, that's that, what I was going to say. It, sound, it sounds like he's crying, and I was watching this, and I was like, this is a really interesting... Uh, impression of like his early character because it's like if like if the macho man is here crying and it's like 1983 like I don't know I guess that's relatively uh, progressive ish I don't know I... well in 1980 when you hear the phrase macho man I think you think more the disco song <laughs> oh you know, okay don't, don't look it, at yes. it through the but through the current also, lens of what we think of it you know I think he was a heel I have no idea I, I, really, I don't know maybe he was constipated. Yeah. He does sound like that a lot when a he lot. talks. I, I would oh. I would love to see a shoot interview <laughs> with him just because I'm like I, I like what does his voice actually sound like? Because he yeah. one no. of the things that is fascinating to me about him is that it does appear to that doing his character 
is causing him physical discomfort. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't remember who told this story, but someone told a story about Savage um, in Ordinary Life uh, one time eating with the Ultimate Warrior. And it was the kind of thing where they would find a restaurant, they'd sit in a booth in the back so no one would bother them. They're, you know, covered in, like, hats and sunglasses and whatever else to disguise their identity. And they're sitting there just eating in silence. And finally Savage is like, mm, good food. And then everybody turns around and looks like <laughs> because of his unmistakable voice. Apparently that's his fucking voice. He just, he just yeah. sounds like that. Because, like, even, like, if you watch him when he's talking, like, He's like doing all this stuff with his face muscles. He's always in motion. And it's like and it just and it's like it's there's there's a strain. It like kind of reminds me of like watching like footage of Captain Beefheart sing in the <laughs> 60s where it's just like it's like this like you doing this right now is not good for you. Like you are yeah. paying a price, which is true of all wrestling certainly. Sure. Um, but not in the promos. Not in the promos. <laughs> and I that's the other is that to me I so I uh, the big th- before we even get into the specifics of the matches today, mm-hmm. I do want to say my big my big takeaway from the matches today is I would like to no longer watch any wrestling from before like 1995 because <laughs> I'm 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 I eventually will have to do a Ric Flair episode. I understand yeah. that, but I just like I don't I just don't care about the wrestling from this era. I don't. That said, uh, and I'm on the record as saying the promos of this era are amazing, and 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 I would do an episode of just promos. So, um, Savage is probably my favorite rest like in ring wrestler of this era. He was far. the best. Yeah, he like was, yeah, appar- um, apparently all that energy. I think Doc, you're the one that told me this was like he seems like he's coked up, but apparently everyone says he just drank a lot of coffee. That's that's the word, you know. I mean, he was never he was never arrested for it. It's not like he died of that, you know. It's just some people are just like that. He was really high strung. <laughs> well, he died of a heart attack, right? Uh, car yes. crash. No, well, no, no, he had a heart attack while driving, which caused uh, the crash. He was yeah. dead Whoa. before the car crashed. Yeah, I guess that's sort of comfort. I mean, better. No, be- no that's <laughs> the whole horrible. thing is terrible. Yeah. I mean, I just didn't. I, I was thinking, like, if I was about to crash my car, I guess my thought would be like, boy, I sure hope I die before <laughs> I actually hit. So I don't know. Well, what it's like. he was driving and he had like just a straight up like widowmaker fatal heart attack, like Damn. like thump. And then since he was dead, the car horribly crashed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to your point, Evan, um, a lot of the wrestlers of the next generation uh grew up watching Randy Savage yeah. and emulating him. And that's why wrestling evolved in a lot of ways. Not just him. I mean, there were people in Japan. There was Ricky Steamboat, um, Ric Flair, and that kind of stuff. But he, him more than anyone else, I think, really drove the style forward. Well, and listen, when we watch when we watch wrestling from the classic era, um, it, you know, part of what drags me down about it so much is, like, it is such, it's such a different, slower less nuanced style and i understand the historical importance and stuff i um you know this uh, watching these matches also really started to make me wonder like is it possible to become a wrestling fan without nostalgia like if you don't have nostalgia for this is it possible Uh, the the stuff that um we watched for another episode then cured me of that because i was like oh cool we watched them i watched a bunch of chris jericho (laughs) matches and i was like nope this is great i'm i'm in but um, it, it might be but, impossible to get into this era of wrestling as an adult. But then, that, I, well, that, I know a lot of people in the business who like got into wrestling. Who already liked wrestling? Well, yeah, but he, once again, take into consideration that how old we are, 
and how old a lot of people who get into wrestling are, and then they go back and watch the old stuff, and they do indeed like it. You don't have nostalgia for stuff that happened well before you were born. You might like it, but it's not like, oh, when I was a kid, now when you were a kid, it was 1999. <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah. there is a sort of nostalgia. But, like, but I feel like you could be a kid now, yeah. someone could show you a bunch of 80s wrestling, yeah. and you could get into it that oh, way. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just yes. the fact that it happened I, I know wrestlers that do that with matter. their kids. They won't yeah. show them modern wrestling, but they'll show them old wrestling because it's for kids, and they get way into it. Well, yeah, and, I, and like, nostalgia is a relative thing. Like, yeah. I, you know, I mean, like, I'm, uh, you know, I get nostalgic if I hear, like, like, I don't know, Led Zeppelin or whatever. I was born four years after John Bonham died. But, but... when you were when you were in your formative years, Led Zeppelin's music was still everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know. Randy um, Savage ain't still wrestling. <laughs> but I would say, like, he, watching him wrestle, like, you, he looks like a, mo like, he wrestles like a modern wrestler dropped into yeah. the past. Like, totally. he, you can see... You can see the influence that he had on everybody. You can see the fact that it's just like it's he's it's a little quicker. Yeah, he's so he's, frenetic. It's a little more high flying. Like it's not like quite where anybody you know. It's not where people wound up taking those those things, obviously. But it's still very much. Um, I don't know. He looks ahead of his time. He looks like a, he is a much more exciting performer than a lot of his peers yeah, at very the time. Much so. um, yeah, and I, I you know it was. It would be a stretch to say that I enjoyed watching these matches. <laughs> so but, let's, let's talk about the yeah. matches. The first one, I, I wanted to dig up a match from his territory days. Yeah, yeah. So I found this match against Austin Idol from uh, CWA Memphis in the Mid-South Coliseum from May 14th, 1984 for Savage's international heavyweight title. Uh, and I decided to pick that one for a couple reasons. One, so Evan could see Austin Idol wrestle because that was the guy um, in the ad for his wrestling school in that one episode of NWA uh, Power. Several okay. episodes. Yes. Okay. The one that Evan watched. The one that Evan watched, yeah. Um, but yes, he, he, he did that for a while. Um, so that was that guy. And also, um, you see in this match, Angelo Poffo, Savage's dad, with the crutches outside the ring. Uh, and the okay. match starts with Savage beating uh, Idol with his crutch. Uh, other than that, you know, the I match mean, isn't that much to write they, home about. They mostly just punch each other. I think the worth in analyzing something like this isn't so much the wrestling in a context like this. Yeah, if you're studying to be a wrestler, it's it's a class on how to get over without doing anything, which is very important if you're going to wrestle six days a week and you don't want to kill your body. Uh, but I think it's more uh, interesting if we just look at the context. We look at the quality of the video, which, you know, even by 1983 standards is bad. Like, this is meant for to consumption once on TV, and that's it. Um, I like to look at the makeup of the audience. You notice there's a lot more women in the audience than you see in modern wrestling, because they were way into it. They also came to see Austin Idol. <laughs> and it's a big crowd for yeah. a local territory show. Memphis would run an arena every week in that area. Damn. Um, wrestling, like... It's hard to, to say it like this, but wrestling actually used to be a lot bigger in America because instead of like one or two touring companies that would run four arenas a night, there would be a dozen territories that would each run an arena in their territory a couple times a week and then spot shows around that territory. And I, I, I guess it was kind of more in the vein of, I mean, you know, it's, it's got the, the carnival roots, but I guess it was also kind of more in the vein of like a monster truck rally or like some just like an, yeah. an event in the area that people were like, oh shit, what are you doing this Saturday? Saturday. Well, there's Sunday. fucking nothing else to do Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 
So we're doing yeah. this. Yeah. Trachosaurus. Yeah, Trachosaurus versus Austin Idol. It <laughs> is. Yeah, that was not a fair match, I have to say. Austin <laughs> Idol Yeah, I died. mean, that's really what retired Austin <laughs> Idol. Well, so oh, man. <laughs> I, I do want to <laughs> remark on the actual finish. Uh, Austin Idol beat Savage for yeah. the title with the figure four leg lock that the announcers pretend Austin Idol invented. Right. Calling it the Las Vegas Las Vegas leg lock. And that's notable because it shows how local this stuff was. Like these fans didn't necessarily know. I mean, they probably knew about if, if you read the wrestling magazines, you'd know who the NWA world champion was. And maybe if they ever came to town. But the NWA world champion notoriously avoided Memphis a lot because it was for as big crowds as that was on a national level. Wasn't that big. You, it you, was it, it was big. Memphis was bigger locally than almost any territory was locally. But I, but Memphis is not a really big city. It's not Chicago. It's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not even Nashville. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's not even Nashville. Yeah. You would have to. Uh, you couldn't buy the magazines. You would have to find them in the forest with the porn at the time. <laughs> it, it is. It is so amazing. Even like as somebody who was well into my teenage years by the time like it, the internet like really started going like it's crazy to think about how siloed information used to be and how hard yeah. it was to fucking learn about anything like the forest porn thing wasn't a joke. Oh no, no, that is some yeah, real no. shit. Like I we that, didn't experience it as city kids for the most part. Those are like, some species of fungi that uh heart is found in the woods recently, right? But, the, the porn that grows yes, naturally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> there's the naturally occurring porn and then the plastic-based man-made porn that makes its way into the woods um, that is uh, slowly being reclaimed by nature. But, yeah, that's some real shit. I remember, like, I would hear... I heard, like, a comedian joke about that years ago, like, you know, like, finding porn in the woods, and I was like, that's ridiculous. And then almost every single human being I know uh, who grew up anywhere outside of a major city was just like, oh yeah, no, that was that's one hundred percent a I, real thing that happened. I mean, you guys just found it taped to the bottom of the subway seats. For the most uh, part, we did. Me and that, somebody that's not else. What was sticking them to the bottom of the subway <laughs> oh, seats? Oh boy. Uh, Myself and somebody else who may or may not co-host this podcast did used to shoplift a lot of porn from bodegas uh, <laughs> back in the day, but we don't need to get into any of that. Um, uh, yeah, we don't want the. Did we I don't do want that? the. <laughs> <laughs> come, come I don't on, remember come, that. Come on, guys. The Paw Patrol is listening. <laughs> what I do they're remember. Always, they're always listening. I do remember finding porn in the recycling area of my apartment building. That was like my first, oh. my first porn. And I would like slip it under my shirt and run upstairs. And, and I remember us buying a lot of wrestling yeah. from the porn store. During this bizarre time when uh, Giuliani, I think, mandated that in order to sell porn, you had to have a certain percentage non-porn. Yeah, like in, in the New York City. The store. It had to be like 60% yeah. of your stock had to be non-porn. Because that's a great idea. You know, lure children in with fucking <laughs> right. wrestling and cartoons. And uh, I really don't understand the re rationale behind that. It was already such a... Like, in retrospect, it's so creepy to think about how... Uh, you know, uh, before the internet like was really was was that widespread. Like, you had to find the bodega guy that would willingly sell you porn, even though you were visibly under the age of eighteen. Like that was the thing. Like I had to find. Like I, in retrospect, like the guy who was selling me porn when I was thirteen should have been in. Should have been jailed. He was also like, selling me beer. Yeah, it was uh, it's not cool. Also, that specific guy still in business. 
Uh, <laughs> walk where, by. Where does he work? And then we walked by it on the way here. The one Lucy uh, spot in Manhattan yeah. that I know of. Lower Manhattan. I know of one in Upper yeah. Manhattan. Um, Thanks, Muhammad. Uh, <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> so, Truly, you are the one who is blessed. So, um, if I could bring us back to this for a minute here, you maniacs. <laughs> the, uh, Macho maniacs. Oh, I'm finding porn in the, the woods. The, the ultimate maniacs. The ultimate goal, goal of this podcast is to get Ben fired, so he has to do yeah. this full time. <laughs> Uh, right, well, so, uh, let's hope our Patreon numbers yeah. <laughs> increase. And thank you, by the way, thank Patreon. You, yes. the Lord Waffle, please invite your friends. Omelet, Lord Omelet. Lord Omelet. Lord Omelet. Lord Omelet, please contact Lord Waffle and invite him and his friends. <laughs> so, uh, and then but, Waffle someone with a tire iron. Before before we move Lord on tire iron. from this match, uh, just a couple more things I was noticing, because I wasn't watching the wrestling much because they were barely doing anything. You know, the ring was really bouncy. Like when they were walking back and forth, you could see it bouncing up and down like a trampoline. The ropes are mad loose, and uh, yeah, Angelo Paffo and his and his crutches. Yeah, and the announcer it, was, you know, it looked harder for Savage to balance on the ropes for his yeah uh, flying double axe. There's handles. been a major change over the last thirty years in the way ropes are hung because in the you know in the seventies and a lot the ropes were made. More for like bouncing off of and sagging, and as high flying became a thing, the ropes started getting uh, put on a lot tighter, so you could stand on them and jump off of them. Now rings are ju- what gives a wrestling ring its like springiness. Well, springs. Uh, <laughs> is, is it? Is it? I mean, there some are ones. Sometimes, yes. Ones <laughs> some rings have a big spring in the center. Uh, some rings have a couple of springs uh, in in the mechanics, but. Really, uh, most rings don't. Most rings are, you know, wood, uh, beams. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not stacked. What's the opposite of stacked? Spread across the surface with, like, metal beams crisscrossing under it. So it has to do with the wood that you're using a lot of the time. And then it has to do with the, exactly the materials you're using um, to so, build a ring. So the boards give in the middle. The boards give, give in the spring. middle. That's why it's safer to bump in the middle mm. of a ring than the sides. That makes sense. Um, they they point out on Monday Night Raw incessantly that the apron is the hardest part of the ring, and that's because the apron is just a steel beam that they have to put the boards on top of, so there's no give to it at all. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, no, no. And so Memphis is a Memphis is a really wacky like little microcosm. I, I, it's the kind of subject I wish I knew a little bit more about. I know there's a lot of it on YouTube, and I watch it and I'm like, this was crazy. This must. It was the number one rated local TV show in Memphis. They do every Saturday morning, and sometimes they'd get like a forty share local. Um, we can we can do another episode with Dave. Yeah, Dave probably knows. Who better we're going to bring that. on for Japanese stuff, but he also knows quite a bit about Memphis. Oh, sorry, Dave's in that closet too. <laughs> we'll we'll get Dave out. Um, right, so and shall leave we... Matt in there. <laughs> when you go to rescue Dave, just point at Matt and be like, "You stay there." So shall we move on to some slightly more modern stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, the other two matches: uh, Macho King Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania Seven, and then Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ric Flair for the WWF title at the subsequent WrestleMania Eight. Um, are really fit together quite nicely. They also fit together very well with the WrestleMania five match that you watched, um, Evan between Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage in that they all tell this ongoing story of the relationship between Savage and Elizabeth. And you, we really see 
kind of the culmination of the story that started at WrestleMania 5, WrestleMania 4 even, in the WrestleMania 7 match with Warrior and Savage, where Elizabeth is in the crowd. Sensational Sherry had been in the corner of Macho King Randy Savage at the beginning of the match. When Savage loses to the Warrior, Sherry flips out on him, starts kicking the shit out of him, and then Elizabeth comes to his rescue, throws Sherry out of the ring, and they celebrate together, finally reconciled, reunited after becoming estranged around WrestleMania V due to Savage's jealousy. Oh, this makes so much more sense. And in the end, he loses his career because the Warrior match was a career match. But he gets Elizabeth back. And yeah, it's ham-fisted and it's archaic and, you know, problematic in so many ways. But it's also really fucking heartwarming and beautiful. Yeah, you find several shots of people actually crying in the crowd because they'd been paying attention all these years. And like, it's a soap opera and this is what they wanted to see. Savage was stripped of his crown, but got his family back. I would uh, like to point out real quick, we mentioned Dave's. This is a rare late appearance by, that was not Earl Hebner, that was Dave Hebner refing this match. Yeah, I don't know what the deal with that was. He had mostly stopped refing at that point. Maybe they're like, Dave, you want to do a match at Mania? And so he did. He took an amazing bump. He really did. Um, It takes a second to realize it's Dave. He's bigger than Earl is what it is. One last thing about the celebration between Savage and Liz. There's a little moment where Liz goes to hold the rope open for Savage as he would make her do when he was a heel and being the overbearing husband and overbearing uh, partner. And then... He's like, no, 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 I'll open the rope for you. <laughs> he yeah. opens it for her. So I, I did not realize that, because um, this match started, and I was just like, oh, I guess Miss Elizabeth looks different than I remember. Uh, no, or that's Sherry. Had, I had no idea. And because I kept also being like, why do they keep cutting to like shots of like a bored woman in the audience? Like... <laughs> Who what, listen to the announcers, they, Evan? They, I, they, but they, every time I actually do that, yeah. I regret it. That's that the, was that's Heenan, the problem. This was Heenan and Gorilla. Though. They, they were they were literally explaining to you as though you'd never seen wrestling before what was going on the whole time. I guess I guess I, I, yeah. I should have. I guess I should have tuned in. A if little if bit. you didn't catch the the uh, not intricate but uh, but really real story of this match, it's because you weren't listening to the announcers. They really explained I everything. I will be honest yeah. that while we were while I was watching these matches, yeah. I mean, I was also like, I've, I was like, I've been in just not a great place in my personal life in the last couple days. But while I was watching these matches, I was like. I don't want to fucking do this podcast anymore. <laughs> Did you I'm, accidentally like, like, sit on a cactus again, Evan? Um, uh, metaphorically, yes. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> there you go. And um, so there, so there was definitely part of me that was just like, all right, f- what, okay, so he throws him. All right, who gives a shit about any of this? Why the fuck did I agree yeah, to do what, this? What am I? What am I fucking doing? What did here? I? Why did I fucking um, come up with this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I guess I don't value our friendships enough. Uh, I, I would be happy to let them drift if I could stop doing this. No matter, no matter but. how shitty the match that we make you watch, um, there's always a reason. Like, there's always there's some always something reason, to the yeah. match. That you're supposed to be picking uh, and, up. And that okay. shot of uh, Macho at the end lifting Liz is one of the most iconic yeah, shots no, in all was, of wrestling. That, yeah. that was big. I, I I will say it was nice to... um, I, I, I watched... I will say there was a couple things about the Warrior yeah. that who I... While I still do not care for the Warrior, and also... He looks like he gets tired very quickly. He does. He, does. And he, he is didn't not even, an endurance guy. He no. didn't even run to the ring this time. No. <laughs> and he was tired. Um, I think he knew he was in for d- a longer match. Meh, meh, meh. 
the whole thing where he's like communicating with his gods. Yeah. Well, like I was like, okay, I get, I can right. see, I can see what's fun about this. It's not an angle. He's actually just b- talking to the sky. Well, he's the, schizophrenic. This the story over the course of the match. Like this was definitely like one of those matches that Randy Savage would have you know put out point by point. He's like, okay, I need to have a good match with the Ultimate Warrior. Hogan did it. I need to do it better. And so, you know, he came up with the whole story. The unique career matches before stipulations like that were way overdone. They yeah, and even out, in this case, Savage's career ends and he's back in. He's back in a few months, a yeah. Few months, um, yeah. But, you know, the like how, Sav, like how Warrior has on the butt of his trunks a picture of the title and the words, like, it means more than this because it's the whole career, you know? And they... Uh, Oh, I just thought that was referring to his ass. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, his ass was, you know, heavily muscular like all of the rest of him. Here's, you know, they give each other their, their finishing moves a bunch of times, but it's not like it is today where somebody kicked out of their finish a bunch of times. They just, you know. Savage does five flying elbows yeah. in yeah. a row. <laughs> to which the warrior barely responds. I know. Right. He, like, well, he's supposed to be selling it, I think, like he's already dead. And then he <laughs> kicks out. But, stop, stop. He's already dead. Right. By the way, that flying elbow of Savage's, no one has ever done it the same way. No, And it's really. one of the most beautiful flying moves uh Ever stylistically, yo, everyone in this match is so dead. Yeah, all of them, all All of them, except Dave Hebner. Dave Hebner's alive. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Sherry's pretty amazing. She's the best. Sherry was incredible. Yeah, uh, would you agree, Evan? Uh, Sherry, the other woman in like the face. Oh, the one who was like who was like kicking Savage at the end when he was done, and did one of the more like overt like ass shots. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was maybe. Oh, her outfit is incredible. She she was one of the earliest women who would just come out with her ass out, like when women didn't come out like that. And the camera, like at one point, like she bends over in the camera. Oh yeah, I know the shot. Let's get into her butthole. Um, (laughs) at the time they didn't usually do shots like that but she bent over right into it and they didn't cut away no i mean it was pretty it, magnificent uh and i and i especially because you know i i didn't quite get what the whole like macho king yeah, thing yeah. was so i was just like oh it's like a peasant uprising when she's like <laughs> you have you have not done your duties as a ruler i will beat you well she was the queen uh he had become the king through like the king of the ring tournament yeah. or whatever but it was kind of cool seeing them being carried out by like six dudes yeah. on, a, on a pedestal. They're all dead. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, Sherry was the, the top women's wrestler in the world, basically, until they stopped really having a women's division. But they kept Sherry around. She was such a great character. She also had like back injuries and stuff oh, that yeah, caused her to like shift to a more managerial role, which we, yeah. she was also but incredible. She at. does. And yeah, that was just like acting. But like she just seems yeah. like she's got, you know, the facial expressions like she's she went to clown out. college. Oh, clown college. No, you clown- can't eat that. <laughs> Clown College is some real shit. I knew I knew people who uh, who went to Clown College and like came away with some real skills. Yeah. I also know somebody. I once played in a band with a guy who um, we like showed up to rehearsal and he seemed really down. And I was like, "Hey man, what's wrong?" And he was like, "My girlfriend left me." And I was like, "Oh no, what happened?" And he was like, "Oh, she met this clown." That's and that. I was like, "Oh, you mean like like he sucks?" And and he was like, "No, like he's like an actual clown." Okay. And, she, <laughs> and then he showed me a picture of her and the clown, and I was like. That sucks, man. Okay, you know what? That's it. I've had it with you people holding me back long enough. I'm going to clown college. <laughs> Do it. That's awesome. I support that yeah. entirely. Clown as college. long as you can keep doing the podcast. Yeah, at the at the time, I was unaware that clown college involved actual skills. I was just like, oh, what, you go to s- school to be a metaphorical clown in the yeah. parlance of the time? Is there a local clown college? 
You know, I, I don't know what the deal is with Clown College anymore. You used to just go to Ringling Brothers, and they would teach yeah. you how to be a clown. But, uh, yeah. I met a mime when I was doing improv who oh. uh, my team tried to schedule a workshop with her because mimes are very good at object work and right. stuff like that. Uh, and it kind of fell through. But um, she was she was interesting. Um, I know that there's there used to be that uh, there used to be the um, what is it like freak school in Coney Island. Mm. Yeah, I think that's um, still there. Probably. Yeah, I is, don't know. Is that the one that like they shoot fart fire out of their butts and swallow swords? Yes. And uh, one of the ladies ha- braids her nose hair. Yes. They shoot yeah. swords out of their butts as well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most of that is actually uh, accurate. I don't know about shooting fire out of your butt specifically, but you know, the, you you learn how to spit fire and you do learn how to do sword swallowing. You learn how to hammer a nail into the cavity in your face and like which if you've never seen live, it's freaky. I think I've seen it live once. Yeah. yeah. I saw it at a children's bookstore in an event for the last Harry Potter book to come out. That was that was a night. Oh, is that the children's bookstore that will remain nameless that you worked at for eight months, and by that point you had seniority? Mostly, yeah. That's uh, the place had about twenty-five people on staff, and uh, I worked there for uh, not eight months. It was longer than that. It was like fourteen months, and in the, that time, forty people quit. When I was, uh, so that's a hundred and fifty percent turnover. And it's just or more. It's crazy because yeah. a that place is still open. It is. I walked by it recently. Also. I bought books there as a child. They're a very nice, straight up child. It's a very it's nice bookstore. It's just a nightmare to work for. Yeah. Well, I, what we do is we go there uh, in masks in the dead of night and smash their windows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you got to do. I, I just, I'd rather move on with my life. It was a long. I went time to a ago. Neil Gaiman signing there. That was nice. smash yeah. their windows, Doc. No, look, that's what they learn you at Clown College. I guess I, Ma- <laughs> class one smashing. When I when I lived in Ridgewood, there was a guy who lived nearby named Albert Cadabra. Who would I? Uh, <laughs> he he could do the uh, nose nailing gimmick. Uh, thing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. It's um, no. that shit is difficult. Uh, so back to you know, speaking of clowns, metaphorically, the Ultimate Warrior, pretty bad at wrestling. Yeah. There's that one part where he goes for the shoulder tackle and he's supposed to miss, but he goes for it like way before Savage even gets up. Yeah, and Savage has to kind of cover for it. Well, he either was gonna run the ropes again twice, which was a bit much. He had already done it like yeah. six times. So I'm putting that one on Savage. Savage should have gotten up and been All in right. position because I think he was supposed to go for the shoulder tackle and Savage was supposed to sidestep him. But if Savage isn't presenting himself as a target for the move. What are you going like, to do? I only got so many laps left in me, brother. And Savage knew that. Like, this whole match, just from a, from a wrestler's standpoint, is structured around Warrior's weaknesses. All of Warrior's best matches are when he had an opponent that could get around his weaknesses. Yeah. And Savage knew not to, not to blow him up too much. Like his weaknesses, to, like cocaine. Well... That's not and, what I was talking and about. And doing things for an extended period of time. That's but, more what I was talking about. Then in the end, so he does his you know Ultimate Warrior Gorilla Press Slam and Splash, and it doesn't put Savage away. Yeah. He asks his gods for advice. He starts like walking away. I right. want to shout out Dave Hebner here. Like going nuts at him, like no, you got to get back in the ring. You count it out. It's a career match. It's your whole career. He's just shouting at him, and Warrior's completely ignoring him, staring at the sky with his hands up. Like, is it? Is because Warrior had blown through everybody since he debuted. The only times he ever lost, it was through like abject chicanery. Uh, and so when he gives Savage his finish and gets the cover, and Savage kicks out, he thinks, "Oh, 
Have my powers abandoned me? Is it over? Oh, okay. So he's you leaving. Know? Like, oh yeah, the gods are telling me to just give it up. Yeah. And then Savage comes jumping out of the ring at him, and he moves out of the way, and Savage crashes into the barricade really fucking hard. Yeah. And that's when Warrior's like, oh no, God, the gods have not abandoned me. <laughs> what is the secret to defeat Savage? Oh, I just have to give him the fucking flying shoulder tackle <laughs> three fucking times and run back and forth off the ropes at least four or five times before I deliver each one. And it works. <laughs> Savage sold them all. He flew out of the ring every time he got hit, which is how you do that. Yeah. If you turn it up uh, really loud, you can hear the warrior's god speaking to him. And they're saying, you should really tell Vince McMahon to start adding endurance training to the uh, <laughs> to this whole process because you are visibly tired. If you uh if you listen real closely, you can t- hear uh you can hear Warriors God saying, "Good teenagers take off their clothes." Oh, is he I mean that's like the least surprising thing I've ever heard if he is one of those guys. And then if you, and then when he falls down uh, and the dust flies up, it spells sex. Oh, okay. <laughs> that that, that, that was the, it was the Disney thing. You know? I, th- yeah, yeah. I thought you were there's, saying there's that. There's also a penis on his tights somewhere. There is no evidence or reason for thinking Warrior a pedophile among, oh, okay. among no, all no, of his no. flaws. No, a I mean, I mean, they're all. It's, it's all just references to uh, hidden di- uh, Disney uh, dirty messages. Right. I don't advocate. Yeah. Look, look, guys. It's weird that they did have you, the live action. Don't talk to teenage girls, King. guys. Just don't. Not not you guys. Yeah. Guys in general. <laughs> Good uh, advice. Yes. Yeah. Advice. <laughs> yeah sorry, I'm sorry. Awkward pause. I'm sorry. I made a dumb joke while you were saying that. So uh, now, so now, moving on to WrestleMania eight, or do you have anything else to say about? I have nothing Warrior? else to say. About so WrestleMania eight, I think, is a much better match uh, between Flair and Savage. Yeah, for the Ric WWE Flair's title. in it. Ric Flair's in. It. So the story behind this match, um, from a real life uh, standpoint, is that they were going to do Hogan Flair. That was obviously the big match that everyone wanted to see. And there's a couple different reports about why it didn't happen. One is that, uh, as I think Doc has mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, th- their house show matches didn't do very well. Not, not as well as they wanted them to. They, they they did a test run, and like a lot of the WWF fans just didn't know who Ric Flair was, or if they did, they didn't really care. But more likely, I, I think, and, and based on stuff that I read about, and, yeah. you know, Hogan would have gone over in that match. Oh, and, for sure. And been the champion going forward, but he was going to leave, and he did leave. And, you know, they say he's left to do movies and whatever, but a major reason he left was because the WWF was a, was embroiled in this steroid investigation. Yeah. And he had been, like, caught doing steroids already. So they didn't want him to be the face of their company anymore. So instead, they switched it to him doing the match with Sid Justice, where they could kind of write him out. And then they needed a world title match. And so they did Savage Flair, which everyone accepted because Savage was a huge star. Right, of course. And so they did the match around this whole idea that Flair had claimed to have a relationship with Liz before Savage did, and that he had these like pictures of them together, and he was going to show the world this like centerfold of him and Liz. Um, eventually, after the match was over, in the aftermath, it turned out that they were photoshopped, or you know whatever the equivalent of Photoshop. They was were doctored in '92, yeah, and they were actually photos of Savage and Liz. But yeah, it was an, it was you know a cuckold angle, and um, at the time it was dirty. 
It was oh, very dirty at the time. It was very within Ric Flair's character of like, oh, the, the ladies are lining up and ha- what better way to infuriate Randy Savage than, than imply these kind of things. Right, and it fit in with Savage's character who yeah. was, you know, uh, historically jealous and overbearing and he had just reunited with Liz at the previous WrestleMania. They just got married. Right, they, well, yeah, they got married at SummerSlam. Yeah, whole thing where he, he got, he took a snake bite for that woman. Yeah. <laughs> In on, re- on television, we gotta, like show, literal... we gotta do an episode yes, of wrestling wow. weddings. Yes, a literal yeah. cobra bite. Oh damn! Oh, is it because she's a snake handler and he had to convert? No, no Jake, to, Jake the, the snake. snake Roberts came out oh, to interfere okay. after the wedding and attacked uh, Savage and oh, got his snake out. Interesting. I did not realize he was an actual snake man. I yeah, just thought yeah. he was like a guy who had a snake gimmick. At no. some point, he's he like stops. A, no, he comes out with yeah. a snake. Always. He's like one of the guys. He's like one of the uh, guards in Sen's Fortress. At some point, two, uh, two people will get Justin. Justin Cracciolo, you'll get that. At some uh, point, the <laughs> animal rights guys got on him and he started not bringing the real snake out anymore. Right? Not that I know of. Nope. Maybe. Okay. To, to oh. this day, when he makes indie appearances, part of his deal is that the promoter needs to provide a snake. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> quick thing. Quick yeah. thing before we get into the rest of it that I keep forgetting to bring up about Randy Savage. Yeah. I find. The gulf between his character and the fact that his entrance music is pomp and circumstance. Yeah. I don't get that. Well, he was one of the early adopters of entrance music, so there's not that much to it. Uh, you know? Oh, so it was just it was just people used to not have entrance yeah, music. Yeah, occasionally they... somebody if it fit. Like there was a there was a group of uh, there was a group of southern rockers called the Freebirds, and well, you can guess what they came out to in Texas. Sure. But people didn't come out to anything, and then they were like, "Well, we're gonna come out to Freebird. They're gonna wait for us." You know, it just had the right kind of grandeur for him. No, I guess like, the I robes think... and the like. It doesn't work as well as entrance music but as celebration music it's kind of perfect well yeah. and it also i guess it makes sense it actually totally makes sense in the context of their like there wasn't really the concept of entrance music beforehand because then it was like well you know what i want to really give this some weight when i come yeah. out what's a piece of music that generally plays when people are like promenading or like you know when are parading uh down a lengthy you know um Promenade. Thank you. It's raining, Thank men. You. It is raining. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> well, then, and then they were like, "Actually, let's do pop and circumstance instead of it's raining men." So it's uh, it's interesting you bring that up because Ric Flair always came out to uh, thus spake Zarathustra, yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he had been coming out to that since the early '80s, also. And you know, as champion all those years, it was like, well, the the, the glory of Ric Flair, you know. Oh, who, by the way, in the post match. Uh, promos. Yeah. Uh, both of them give absolute fucking masterpiece promos. But yeah. goddamn, like Ric Flair covered in his own blood. Yep. Hair, like he looks like he has just, it looks like he had just gone Super Saiyan and then <laughs> came back down but was still covered yeah. in the blood of his enemies. Like, so it, speaking yeah. of the blood, it was always great when Ric Flair bled because it would dye his bleach blonde hair red. In this particular match, you know, they didn't do blood at w- in WWF at this time. Are- and so he blades pretty clearly blades and uh the story is that he was fined thousands of dollars for blading in that match in another match on the same card Bret Hart blades but he does such a skillful job of it that they believed that it had just happened hard way like naturally and so Bret was not fined 
Okay, because yeah, because I was gonna say there you uh, early on there's like a shot like a top down shot of the ring, yeah. and they had just started wrestling, and there's like a lot of blood. We're, in the we're ring. gonna watch that match eventually. It's Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper. It's mm. one of Roddy Piper's best matches. One of the last matches Piper had as a even semi full time wrestler, and yeah, it's it's a great story to to be told. Um, so this match with uh, Savage and Flair, yeah, nobody had seen really much like this. It was faster paced than the main event style usually was. Savage comes in like he's finally getting a chance to beat the crap out of the guy that's been talking trash on his wife. And like they don't let Elizabeth out. Elizabeth coming out midway through the match is a major spot with all the agents trying to get her to stop. Including Dave Hebner. And Shane yeah. McMahon. And Shane McMahon. Yeah, little yes. Shane uh, McMahon, yeah. yes. And like I noticed like you know, they, they weren't, like, pushing her back. I don't think any of them wanted to put a hand on her in front of Randy. No. <laughs> Even, like, in the guise of security. Cause no, it was like that know. other match we watched where it's Pat Patterson. Right. Not touching her, but holding his arms around her so that the security surrounding them yeah, wouldn't touch, touch her. her. So they were actually together. Oh, yes, really, yes. It was, it was all yes, fun. for yes. a long time. So at this time, so they get married in the wrestling world at SummerSlam 91, about like six months before this. In reality, they had been married for a long time before that. They got divorced shortly after this match. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, for a lot of the reasons that you see on screen that... Savage was super overbearing. He was very controlling of Liz's life. And at some point she had had enough and she wanted to yeah. expand her horizons. Unfortunately, expanding those horizons really led her down a dark path eventually. And she ended up dying of a drug overdose. Ugh. This is all documented in Viceland's uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode yeah. about the two of them. Yeah, Sherry also was another one that died of a drug overdose. Like yeah. she, she, got, uh, she had had an injured back for years and she kind of ended up falling down the pain pill path. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, like people in wrestling uh, or people who don't know wrestling very well will say like, oh, there's so many steroids in wrestling. Of course, there's steroids in wrestling. I'm not going to say there isn't, but the drug problem in wrestling is painkillers. Yeah. And it's not as bad as it was five or six years ago, mostly because a bunch of people died. It's really bad for you to take too many painkillers. Now, now it's just as bad as that was in the 80s. Now it's just that bad everywhere in America. Right. Most so of us just yeah. smoke weed these days. Yeah, that's a whole other story. Um so the, the match starts off super hot. Uh, Savage comes in and just, just tears into Ric Flair. And Flair's always great getting beat up. Yeah. You know, he knows how to back off, but not really get away. You know, he does the spot where he does the flip over the turnbuckle, runs to the opposite turnbuckle, climbs and jumps off like a big counter. But no, Savage just punches him. <laughs> There's great when Savage slams Flair off the top rope yeah. like you often like you often do to Flair. Yeah. But Savage gets up on the bottom rope in order to do it, so yeah. it's that much higher. Uh, I love uh, Mr. Perfect's role as Ric Flair's enforcer outside the ring. Oh. Um, he, They do this great thing that I always loved when Heels did with the manager. So Flair puts Savage in the figure four and then reaches out to grab Perfect's hand to get extra leverage. Yeah, Ref Earl, eventually sorry. kicks his hand when, oh, it, when he great. realizes what and, he's and doing. And this is Earl Hebner. Yes, Earl. Right, he's a, he's a, little, a little skinnier than his twin brother. He could, that's the, really the only way you can tell him apart. Um, yeah, so it was great to finish. Uh, Savage had a handful of trunks, but after all the cheating that had already gone on, uh, he when he wins the match, he wins the title, and I like the way they announce it. They say, you know, here's your winner, and once again, World Wrestling Federation champion. It was a big deal that somebody had won the belt twice. The only people at this time to have won the belt twice were Bruno and Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Everyone else had, unless you want to count when Backlund lost the title in Japan for like a week to Tatsumi Fujinami, which they don't really have in canon. I think at this point, Mula had multiple women's titles reigns too. Yes, that's true. She literally true. owned the belt and was a horrible person. We've we've been on that. I think there were a couple intercontinental title. Uh, yeah, yeah. but I mean the WWF yeah. championship, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and then, you know, the, um, Flair's pissed. Flair goes over and assaults Elizabeth, and Elizabeth starts punching him. And then Savage just blows by the both of them and rips back into Ric Flair. And there's a huge schmoz, and they all get pulled apart. Uh, yeah, both of their promos, as you had brought up earlier, afterwards were fantastic. I like how, you know, how pissed perfect was and Heenan comes in and he's pissed and to relatively calm Ric Flair covered in blood I always loved his line it's like all right Savage you did it now let's see you do it again I love perfect being like Savage took a shortcut by pulling the trunks Ric Flair has never taken a (laughs) shortcut in his career right Uh, and then Savage, of course, then, you know, still selling the fact that he has to limp really badly, you know, with the belt and with Elizabeth and his eyes, man. He has eyes that clearly say when me and a bunch of guys that look like me come over the hills, abandon your villages. Uh, I want about the selling. Savage sells his leg like yeah. no one else. And uh, Doc, you always would uh, describe him as that he wrestles like a wounded animal. Yeah. And especially when he has been wounded in a match, he really looks like that. Right. I just really liked his message that, you know, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> I was like, this is a very uplifting message from uh, Randy Savage. I like how he tries and fails to rip his shirt off like Hulk Hogan. Like, it ain't yeah. that easy, dude. <laughs> Hogan practiced that every yeah. night, and, and sometimes well, he doesn't the thing, get the bottom straight. I, well, Hogan, as we've discovered on this podcast, yeah. Hogan's father was slain by shirts, and right. so Hogan is <laughs> channeling all of that rage towards clothing. I thought he was slain by the Paw Patrol. And then no, that was that was um, uh, Cena. They, they slayed Cena's family and burned his village to the ground. And then he was brainwashed into into the possible. Oh, okay, Sa- I got confused. Savage was also wearing this kind of vinyl costume. Might have yeah. been a little bit harder to rip than Hogan's T-shirt. Which, by the way, the golden macho costume just yeah. oh, unbelievably yeah, beautiful. Yeah, wonderful. Just beautiful. Savage always had great costumes. Um, all right, do we have any final thoughts? Uh, I I just realized my shirt's inside out. Is that a thought? That's That, that counts. That's a thought. I mean, yeah. we're talking about shirts. So the aftermath of this match is kind of interesting because of Savage's problems with Elizabeth. Apparently, and you know, the plan wasn't really for him to be champion for very long. He was no, kind no. of plugged into this match. He loses it back to Ric Flair like six months later. So there's a legend behind that match. Yeah. Um, or not a legend, but interesting fact behind that match. So that match is actually one of my earliest memories of watching WWF TV. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was a few weeks before Bret Hart beat Ric Flair for the title. And so they filmed the match just for like a regular TV show, not for a pay-per-view or anything. And it's the debut of Razor Ramon, who helps Ric Flair beat Savage. So the story is that they filmed the match and Savage was really having problems at the time. Apparently, Vince hated it and hated it so much that they made them go back out in front of the live crowd. They had the announcer say, like, oh, because of shenanigans, uh, we're restarting the match, and had them film the whole match again in front of a very confused crowd. I mean, I mean, from what I hear, the original problem was he was originally called Razor Ramen and came out to the ring covered in noodles. It just didn't really get... And it was, so like, it was too yeah. hot. It was people were like, this is too erotic. I can't handle it. <laughs> oh, the- 
I mean, apparently what happened was Vince gave them specific instructions for the match, and then Flair was and Savage was like, I'm going to do what I want. And Vince is like, no, you don't do that in the WWF. You do what we tell you. You know, In the NWA, when you've been champion for 10 years, maybe you can just freestyle. No, we, we want this angle on television. You do what you want on the house shows. This is We want this angle on television. You're the world champion. This is your job as the world champion. And it's true. You do what the promoter wants, you know, when it's a writer on television. You can't just call your own shots. I think it's really infor- unfortunate that in the these ensuing years, Savage and McMahon didn't see eye to eye. And the, yeah. there's a lot of rumors about why that is. Yeah, yeah. But one way or another, they didn't have the same vi- vision for Savage's role in the company. And it's unfortunate because Savage is one of the greatest of all time. Could have had incredible matches with the likes of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and everyone else going forward. But that did, that wasn't really in the cards. There are matches between them that were at like house shows and things like that. Yeah, there's not a major program or anything. There's uh, on one of the Coliseum videos, the video series that WWF was putting out at the time. There's a match that's Randy Savage and Bret Hart against Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels, which was kind of cool. But yeah, eventually Savage ends up leaving for WCW. Has a good run in WCW. Um, you as know, good of a run as anyone could have there. Exactly. Uh, his match with DDP is supposed to be really good. Yeah, yeah it is. I don't remember it that well. Um, That's one of the bigger problems at WCW. They didn't make a good job of making things memorable. And apparently Savage just was very paranoid in a lot of ways, was worried about other people doing business, was very protective of his character and of his spot. And I think that also kept him from being able to do a lot of cool stuff later on. I remember when he showed up in TNA once and then disappeared. But, you know, with how TNA was run, God knows why uh, he wasn't, he didn't want to do business there. Be a man, Hulk. Be a man. Yeah, he puts out this rap album. That's kind of an amazing thing. Oh, I do remember hearing about that. You know, I think from you actually back when it came out. Yeah, yeah. you you can find on YouTube uh, if if you want a real hoot. You can see him on the Arsenio Hall show. He is fully in character. So was the Ultimate Warrior when he went on the Arsenio Hall show, which that is a whole other about. ball of yeah, wax. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you know, Arsenio's very impressed by the Macho Man, and at the at the last line of the video is like they shake hands, and Arsenio just looks at him and says, "Man, you should record a rap album." <laughs> and then years later, he does because he has a rap. He knows how to just do it and do yeah. it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, as long as you know we can wax a little bit you know, on the premium. A lot of the guys, a lot of the top WWF guys went on Arsenio there in the middle of the steroid scandal and talked rather frankly about it. You know, Savage just, you know, Arsenio asked straight up, did you do steroids? And Savage is like, you stew now I don't. It's like putting poison in your body, kids. Please don't do it. And at the time he wasn't. He did again later in his life and all that. Uh, but a lot of those guys' relationship with steroids were it was legal until it stopped being legal and until it started being illegal to distribute it. And then by then, they a big part of all of their gimmicks was that they were big gassed-up muscle heads. And Savage, part of his paranoia is that all these guys are bigger than him. Like, he was a big dude, but Hogan was so much bigger than he was, you know? Hogan went on Arsenio, and he talked about, like, yeah, he did a lot of steroids, but he wanted to impress upon people. You don't just put steroids in your body and then you look like Hulk Hogan. He's like, I did steroids, then I worked out five days a week and ate a diet where you look like this. I'm pretty sure that was after he had lied and said he had never done steroids and then been found out 
Oh, wait, who, Savage? No, Hogan. Hogan? Oh, please. Yeah. Well, because Hulk yeah. Hogan didn't do any steroids. Right. Terry, Terry Bollea did a whole fuckload of things. Yeah. Hulk Hogan that's just why... took lots of vitamins. Yeah, that's right. vitamins. That's <laughs> why Hulk Hogan has a lar- has a penis commensurate with a man his size, whereas right. Terry Bollea has a much smaller penis due to all of the steroids. Of the steroids. Speaking of people who died, um, one of the best songs on the Ma- Macho Man rap album is his song about Mr. Perfect, his ah, dear yes. friend, the Perfect friend and l- lyrics by his brother Lanny Poffo, the poet. Overdose. Yeah. Oh, oh Lanny Poffo yeah. wrote those lyrics. Nice. We should watch some Lanny Poffo at some point. He was great. Yeah. He was. He's, he was a. He was a bit of an anomaly. He was a weird high flyer when there were none. Interesting. Yeah. And he he would he I would come his... out. He'd read a few verses of his poetry, put the piece of paper in a frisbee, throw the frisbees to the audience, and then sort of prance around the ring. He's very uh, very odd. Uh, wrestler for the time Randy always made sure he was taken care of even when promoters didn't want to use him it's weird when you have two sons and you name them Randall and Landall <laughs> Landall um, alright is this uh, no I think we can power of power too sweet to be sour funky like a monkey oh yeah ah yes as told to Savage by Dusty, as told to Dusty by Superstar Billy Graham. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tower Power's one of my favorite bands. Hey, yeah. and and remember, folks, if you can't ride the tiny bike th- through the full loop, the mafia will kill you. Yeah, that's we all need to impress that upon you. So go to clown college. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea. Premium uh, advice. Premium advice from referee Katie Vela here on. Yeah. Contesting wrestling premium. Follow your dreams, those premium dreams, as long as, as you, you don't do steroids. Yes, don't do steroids and continue to give us five dollars. Or if a you month. do them, do them right. Yeah, do do them real good. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. Do them under a doctor's supervision. Take yeah. no steroids it's, or take way too many. Look, is what I'm steroids saying. Steroids are like drugs in that they're awesome, and you should take them. <laughs> Good night. Oh, 